Hello and welcome to Walks of Life, where we welcome people from around the world, all walks of life. People who have gone through a lot, have seen a lot, and are happy to share their stories and perspectives. My name is Maya Muller. Today I'm interviewing Andrea Balenci, a 28-year-old budding musician of French-Mexican descent. She lives in London with her partner, whose music is well known under the name Mount Kimby. your body related to your feelings and perceptions of life? That's a very interesting question for me. That's very interesting because uh, actually what I've been working uh, towards in the past couple of years is this project that is related to the human body and uh, especially the female body because I think uh, especially women are very disconnected from their, from their bodies and have been for ages and we're finally I think we're starting to reclaim this you know but I wanted to do this exploration of the body through music and especially through movement um, so it's something that's very very close to me um, I've always felt super disconnected from my body you know even uh, doing I, I love dancing I do uh, contemporary dance when I can even doing that, even if I feel like I know uh, my muscles more or less or how they how to use them, there's this sense of disconnection, uh, especially from the point of view of identity, you know, of who I am, of, of how my body relates to what I do. So I think still, for women, pleasure in sex is such a mysterious thing you know even for us we're still discovering everything um mm. and you know i've been reading this book that's amazing actually if you if you get the chance to read it it's called the thinking body by oh my uh God, i'm reading it right now oh really yeah no way it's very scientific though. it's very scientific yeah. <laughs> but it's it's made me understand a lot of things like how uh posture um influences your emotions or your way of thinking mm -hmm. How she says, for example, that when you lay down, um, that way of you know of being passive uh, makes uh, thought come clearer mm -hmm. to you and stuff like that. It's amazing. It's true that so many years, you know, men have explored their identity and their body and everything. Women haven't because it was forbidden, you know. So I think we're still at this, that stage, all of us. Do you consider yourself to be a, a spiritual person? And if so, how does that play into your daily life? Um, I do. I do. In the sense that I ask myself a lot of questions. But I don't uh, adhere to any religion in particular. My family is uh, half Catholic, half uh, Protestant. So there's always been that kind of division like I, I've always loved uh, compared religions. I studied uh, art history and there was a class that we had that was about religion and the sacred. But that was my favorite class. I've always been super attracted to that. But I'm still uh, figuring it out. I don't know if I ever, ever will, but I love studying it and uh, comparing the different kinds of spiritualities. And uh, how does that affect my daily life? Uh, I think I I read a lot about it, so definitely I think my music is influenced by it. I think there's some kind of... Uh, sometimes I, I do ask 
those questions through music you know it's a bit of an interrogation um, the music that I'm making at the moment as well and uh, going back to this uh, human body exploration mm -hmm. is very very much uh, influenced by uh, baroque music and uh, well because you know the baroque movement was so much about movement about it was more nature I think like water and you know when you go to those baroque churches there's so many things yes. everywhere and like it's it's like water you know this movement in music as well there was like up and down and like all these flourishes and and I, I wanted to uh, to take that as a the, the basis for the music that I'm making but there's a lot of sacred in that music as well there are so many different levels and you know there's that common phrase of like we only use what is it 30% of our brain yeah I think it's, it's like, less. just funny <laughs> yeah it's just... yeah or even the language like I think we use uh, I can't remember what it was but out of I don't know how many words we use 10% of the yeah. words that exist in everyday life it's like wow but music goes far away in that for sure mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's such a good way of communicating because it's so universal as well Everyone can hear it and understand it. Have you always had that connection with music? Yeah, yeah, always. Uh, my mom, she she's a painter, so she's always been uh, very attracted to art in general. She loves music, and uh, when I was five, she got me into piano lessons. I would practice uh, every day by myself, and uh, yeah, my feet apparently wouldn't reach the floor. Oh, <laughs> they were just dangling there. What an image! Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I've always, I've always known that I was going to make music, I think. It's more, not even I knew, I just never questioned it. Did you seek out to find your current purpose by taking deliberate action, or did it find you through circumstance? Um, I think it's always found me, whatever it is, always. Um, I mean, of, of course there's some things that, I mean, you have to be open for stuff to find you. Mm. Yeah, my grandma always says that. She's like, you can't... Uh, the mountain doesn't come to you. You have to go to the mountain. Yes, grandma. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But um, I don't think I've ever had to force it, you know, to force anything. I think uh, uh, my path has always kind of appeared in front of me and I've taken it. Yeah. But I've, obviously, yeah, I've been open enough to see the path yes. and then take it. But yeah, it's always been that kind of thing where, um, for example, uh, like I said before, the I, music pretty much just found me through my mom. But then, you know, I practiced a lot every day and I made it happen. Mm -hmm. But it, that kind of did find me. Yeah. But I never planned anything, you know. It's always been just taking opportunities that come across. It's not like, I'm going to be, be a singer. Exactly. Take this door. It was more like one door opens, you decide to walk through it, mm -hmm. and you find another door. Exactly. But I think, yeah, it's, it's actually deciding to walk through it. Because the door is always there, but then walking through it is uh, the, the other thing. There you go, guys. Walk through that door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the thing, though. To, nowadays, you can't really avoid... Uh, If you're always taking care of yourself like that and not going out or anything, you don't live. So I think you have to walk through the door, guys. <laughs> don't listen to her. Walk through the door. But um, yeah, I mean, if you walk through it, there's going to be things out there that are going to hit you in the face. 
but it's like being a boxer and not wanting to go in the ring. Do you speak another language? If so, what side of your personality shines through the most in each language? So I think Spanish, because of the nature of uh, how it's spoken, is definitely more... Uh, I, I think I speak louder. When I, <laughs> you know, it's that side of me that's a bit louder and uh, careless. Yes, yeah. And uh, messy kind of thing and funny. I, I make a lot of jokes in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, and French, uh, I think it's kind of that more of that, uh, in a way, spiritual side of me, in a, in a weird way. But when I write stuff that I have to do, it's always, I don't know, it's that uh, reflex that I just write in French in and French. read in French. Ah, okay. I don't know in which language I think. I, I never think about that. Dream? I mean, do you dream in a language? I don't know. It's a, it's a really... Well, it's funny because the famous saying in when you study languages if, is when you dream in that language, you mm -hmm. know you can speak it. I know. I don't think I've ever, <laughs> ever dreamt in a language. Yeah, you're yeah, right. I don't remember having dreamt in a language. It's already blurry anyway. You don't even know if you're in the dream. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I have dreamt about uh, melodies, which is weird. Ooh, that's very interesting. What about English? English is, I think, is a weird... A weird one. It's a mix of a bit of everything. <laughs> yeah. Because I... English... I'm more similar to the people I know in English. Because, you know, when you're learning language, when you move somewhere, you're learning that language. Mm. You copy the people that you know, right? Because, mm. I mean, French and Spanish I've spoken since I was born. But, well, not since I was born, but, you know... <laughs> I, I feel like I'm quite similar to my friends when they speak English. If you really want to sort of pour your heart out to someone and, and you can choose a language, which language would it be? My mom taught me what it is to love, you know. So I, I, I would identify those kind of feelings with Spanish more. In what ways are you and your mother close? I think we're very, very similar in many ways. And uh, we talk about everything. I've been really, really lucky with my mom. Really, really lucky. I admire my mom very much. Like, I, I really love her work. And I think that's, that's quite rare, you know? Mm -hmm. And she also... Uh, she, she told me she, um, she actually really likes what I do as well. <laughs> so, you know, it's that uh, admiration we have for each other as well, which is really nice. Everyone, all kids think that their mom is like a superhero. And then there's a point where you learn that she's not, that she's a human being and that you can hurt her as well. And that you have to protect her as well from some things. It's not just all her protecting you. And that's growing up. In what ways have political events happening in your country of origin shaped you? I mean, Mexico has always been a bit uh, difficult uh, politically, you know. Uh, especially now that it's been getting so much bad press for the last few years mm -hmm. uh, with all the cartels and all that kind of stuff, you know. It, Mexico is not very uh, popular internationally right now, I would say. <laughs> um, so I think I would answer that question from the point of view of how other people see me being Mexican. 
because uh, sometimes I, I have gotten those like side eyes being like isn't it really dangerous there and really horrible I was like no yeah that's been the hardest I think especially being away from Mexico because mm. you feel more connected to it when you leave um, it always happens and uh, yeah just people having people uh, look at me or talk to me in that way so it's like oh, you have no idea you have no idea and it, it is very it's crazy politically and um, socially as well there's a lot of problems but it's such an amazing country and I think uh, lately we've proven that when a disaster happens people have uh, the ability to come together mm. no matter what the color your skin is or what you look like or how much money you have we can really come together when something bad happens and that's a part of Mexico and I think uh, that's the sides that no one talks about ever and uh, it's sad do you have a source of inspiration maybe a role model other than your parents maybe like a mentor or mm, yeah uh, my partner at the moment is I think he's been my mentor in a lot of ways don't tell him I said this <laughs> he's gonna <laughs> he's a musician as well by the way he's a quite a successful musician I would say he's never compromised uh, too much you know because we, we all sacrifice a little bit when we're working on stuff no matter what who you are what, what you do but he never sacrificed enough to not feel proud of what he was doing and I, I've always really admired that you know he, he doesn't really he, he doesn't really care about uh, I mean you always care a little bit but not he showed me how to make music uh, without being too worried about what someone would say or think or that's that's pretty pretty cool do you perceive reality as a half cup half full half empty or both I try to be positive but I think I try so much because I have the ability to be very uh, negative as well you know Maybe that's why I smile so much, because maybe I'm making up for other things, in a way, you know? Because that's you, because you're cheerful, because you're meant to be cheerful, so you, you can't be sad. And that's not good either. I mean, you have to be able to feel everything. Um, and, and be everything. Like, if yeah. you walk into a room, do you ever have it that you walk into a room and people say, why are you so sad? But you're not sad. You're just being kind of that side of you that you kind of not always... <laughs> oh my God, that happens to me all the time. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just like not smiling, but because people are used to it, they're always like, are you okay? <laughs> are you okay? What happened? And I'm like, no, I'm just not smiling. Like, <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> it happens to me all the time, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you feel a sense of responsibility for others? If so, how does this play out? I think I do, I do, uh, and that can have a sometimes a positive and sometimes a negative experience, um, consequence. I think. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's not good to feel too responsible for other people because then you're carrying so much 
on yourself, you know, you're carrying so much weight from others. Uh, but at the same time, um, it, we're all responsible for, for everything, always. I mean, uh, we're getting really deep again. But uh, I, I, re I really, this is a book that really changes the way I think about things. But did, I don't know how to, maybe you know the name in English. Um, L'existentialisme est un humanisme from Sartre. Responsibility, which is taking action uh, for, for an issue, right? It's, when you take responsibility, you're saying, I'm going to do something about this, in a way. Mm -hmm. So it's not a passive thing, it's an active thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas guilt is just... It's not feeling responsible, it's feeling that it's your fault, but it's not necessarily taking action for something. Mm -hmm. Right? It's just a passive thing. You're just... You're guilty. Yeah. And so responsibility can be an amazing thing. And he says that... Um, we're responsible for everything. If, if, a, if a kid is um, living by himself in, uh, in the streets, then it's your responsibility as well. It's everyone's responsibility. And that's a really amazing way to look at things because then if everyone felt responsible, imagine what the world would be like. But it's at the same time, it's impossible. It's not possible to, to, to do that or to feel responsible for everything, we would go crazy. So I think there's a good balance to have. And obviously it's easier to feel responsible for people who are close. This, uh, we all feel that way. Yeah. But um, I think it's good to try and feel responsible for people that are not so close from time to time, but without letting it take over your entire life. Because if you're not well, you can't help others. What are your current goals? Um, my current goals are to finish this project I was telling you about uh, or, you know, work on it much, much more and with more discipline and also, um, yeah, taking care of my family more and seeing my grandma more and talking to her more. Hmm. That's another big goal. Um, have you ever been accused of being egocentric? If yes, how did that make you feel? <laughs> I have. I have. Um, I'm always very sad when I get accused of that. Because that's not how I see myself. But maybe I am. Maybe, you know, it's made me realize a few things that I need to change, of course. Um, but most, more than anything, I feel sad. And I think maybe that's also being egocentric. <laughs> I just realized <laughs> maybe uh, that also makes me an eccentric because I'm like instead of accepting it I'm just like no I'm not <laughs> um, how would you define success? it's definitely not um, more money or better things that you own for me definitely not like a material a material thing uh, for me success This is very a very personal thing, but for me, success would be um, being able to do what I love uh, every day. Every day, yeah. Not, not. I guess it would be nice to not worry about paying rent, but it's not for me. That's it doesn't uh, it doesn't change if you're successful or not. 
you can be worried about paying your rent and be successful. Yeah, it's definitely doing what I love and being around people that I love. And last question. Um, yeah, and you can take make this as short as you like or as long as you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, what characterizes living a good life to you as opposed to living in survival mode? Um, survival mode is a funny thing because I do feel like I'm on survival mode sometimes. Uh, to me, survival mode would be what I said before, like worrying about uh, money or about um, yeah, about not having a place to live or not having enough money to buy food. But it's all to me. It's always been related to money because I'm lucky to have a family that that taught me love. You know, I, I've always had that. I've always had uh, people who care. And, and I've always loved them back, so it's, it's not, that's never been an issue for me personally. So I, I would de- define survival as not having enough money, simply, to put it simply. Um, but that doesn't, you know, if having money doesn't make your life good either. So I think actually living a good life is a mixture of survival and also. Uh, passion for what you do and having the right people around you not right people but people that that you love and that love you back it's I think that's that's living a good life for me because I have been in moments where I don't I literally I'm like I don't know what I'm gonna eat today because I can't go to the shop <laughs> I just don't have enough money for that um, but I've still had a really good day So it can be survival more than be a good life. Oh, wow. It's been a pleasure having you here. Um, It was a pleasure being here.